Demand for renewable energy is growing from the large energy suppliers to smaller operations. Hi, I'm Melina Morrison, CEO of the Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals, and I'm back again for another invigorating episode with Michael Kavanagh of Meet the Co-op Farmers. Whether it's through wind farms or in the case of solar panels on individual homes to large tracts of land with solar panels supplying electricity back to the grid. The Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals, Michael Kavanagh, has been looking at cooperatives for Meet the Co-op Farmers, ranging from banks to community-owned abattoirs and a department store. Yes, Mel. We're seeing what happens with um, the growth of community awareness and buying local. We've seen it probably because of COVID and uh, people are more and more wanting to see larger operations, commercial operations plough back into the community. So we're seeing that growth of uh, the co-ops and also a greater awareness that it's not just the farm-owned co-ops but providing such things as banks and um, power back into the grid. Michael, I mentioned there the demands for renewable energy, and many of us are familiar with solar panels on the roof and heading out to more remote regions, the big solar farms. In one of New South Wales's oldest cities on its outskirts, there's a community-owned solar farm. Well, the Goulburn Community Energy Cooperative is a result of a decision made by local community association with the project started in 2014. It's now very, very close to operating, although over the time it's been developed, as founding member and director Peter Fraser told me, there have been a number of changes along the way. Although from the early days, the cooperative model was what the community always wanted. CE4G, uh, Community Energy for Goulburn, that's been going for about seven years and I've been the president on and off for most of those seven years. There was a gap when I wasn't the president, someone else took over and then I'm back in the president again now. Peter Fraser, why a community solar farm? I think the main reason is because uh, the community here feels that the federal government has been doing very little in terms of renewable energy over a period of time. And when we started this project back in 2013, we felt that there wasn't enough being done in renewable energy at all. And the community here just decided, well, if, if, you know, if politicians aren't going to do anything, then we're going to have to do it ourselves. So it started with a, a movement of people wanting to do something and get something done rather than waiting around for someone else to do it. And that's why we got going. Were you surprised at the response? Because often people say, yeah, something's got to be done, and then they start looking over their shoulder to find someone else to do it. I guess we were surprised. I mean, our first, our very first meeting, we had um, a business breakfast and we had John Hewson come and speak at the business breakfast. And he, I think, got people from all walks of life thinking about renewable energy. This is back in 2013 or 14. And that, I think, spurred us on to um, then apply for a grant from the New South Wales government to do a feasibility study. And when we were doing the feasibility study, Part of what we did was to run a community um, forum to see how much interest there was. And we had about more than 200 people turn up at this forum just to, to learn about community energy and learn about renewable energy. And that was kind of the thing that kicked us off. Now, this all started around about 2013. 
by that time in the Goulburn, Crookwell, Yass, Goulburn area where it's effectively the region that you're covering, the renewable energy very much the flavour was for wind energy. Why didn't you go down that path and instead chose solar instead? Wind's a lot more expensive, basically. You can build a, a solar farm of reasonable size for uh, 2 to $3 million, and um, a wind farm, you'd be hard-pressed to do anything less than $10 million. So it's, And that would only get you, back in those days, $10 million would get you probably two wind turbines. They produce more power, wind turbines, but it's a fairly complicated procedure to go through and um, it's a lot more expensive. And we weren't confident we'd raise that kind of money, whereas um, what we were doing was something that we thought was feasible within our area. At the time also, there was quite a lot of opposition to wind farms. There There were a lot of wind farms being built around our region, but there was quite a lot of opposition to it from some of the farmers who didn't like the look of them. Um, but that opposition has really been overcome since um, there's been this um, benefit sharing process that's been going on where the community benefits from from the uh, solar far- the, the wind farms, I should say. But back in those days, I think it was a bit more difficult to win people over, whereas solar was a bit easier. So you make the decision to go with solar, <laughs> primarily driven by cost. Why then did you go as a co-op and not just set up a business? Yeah, we we spent quite a lot of time looking at the different kinds of um, structures that we could use. Um, We probably spent a couple of years discussing it amongst ourselves as we built the um, feasibility study. We had a number of people come in and give us presentations um, about different kinds of entities. And we did have someone who who knew a fair bit about co-ops come and talk to us. And... um, once we started thinking more carefully about co-ops, we thought that that would suit our community better. And the reason we went for it was because it's a more democratic kind of um, structure. And it meant that each individual member, and didn't matter how many shares they owned or how much money they had invested, each individual member had one vote. And having one vote meant that People who could only afford to get in with a small amount of money, and we had a minimum of um, $400 uh, investment, which represented pretty much the the cost of one panel. People with with $400 or with $40,000 would have the same number of votes, one vote each. And that encouraged people who would otherwise have probably thought, it's not much point getting in if I don't get much of a say in this, Um, It encouraged those smaller investors to get involved. It also allayed another fear that some people had that the whole project could be taken over by one big um, investor and and, and start determining the direction of the project. Whereas when when you have just a democratic situation where each person gets one vote, it's less likely that someone's going to... take over the whole show and start pushing it in a direction the rest of the members didn't want it to go. So once they've paid, whether it be for one share or, as you say, spending $40,000, how then does that person benefit from having a financial stake in the solar farm? Okay, so the way we've structured it is um, each, each person pays a membership fee of $10 a year and then they have um, a minimum investment of $400. 
And once they've uh, invested that money, they're a member, and then they get a return on their investment. So the benefits to a person investing is that they get a return on their investment, whatever their investment is. The other benefit they get is they get to be part of what we call the renewable energy revolution. So there's a lot of people in our region who really want to push forward with renewable energy. They want to feel that they're part of that, that they're part of the attempt to reduce carbon emissions. And so the benefits to them are twofold. There's a, there's a benefit, I guess you'd call it a feel-good benefit, where they're, where they're um, benefiting from their own commitment to a particular uh, way of producing energy and a commitment to um, doing something about climate change. And on the other hand, they have a financial benefit in that they get um, a return on their investment. You know, we've structured it so that most of the profits will be distributed to the members each each um, year. And you say most of the profits. Other co-ops tend to plough money back, you know, community projects as well or scholarships for young people in regional areas. Have you also got an allowance for that as well? There's, there's kind of two. The way we've structured the business case is there's, there's quite a bit of money will, we go, will be going back into the project in order to take account of the fact that the panels will need replacing, not a lot, but there's a, there's a degradation in the panels over, over the uh, life of the project. So there's money being set aside to replace panels that, that um, stop producing or uh, become faulty. But at the same time, we've set aside a percentage of the profits to go towards a, a disability fund in the region. And that fund will basically look after those, not, not so much disability, I guess it's more um, people who are disadvantaged. So what we're targeting is people who have problems paying their electricity bills, basically, or their energy bills. So we're looking for a partnership with uh, one of the major charities in Goulburn who are going to help us identify those people that we'd call um, are energy poor in the sense that they're, they're disadvantaged because they're having difficulty paying their, their uh, energy bills. And part of our uh, profits will go towards a fund which will be administered separately, which will look after those people that have a, a disadvantaged. So with a solar farm, I think of other co-ops, dairy co-ops, they sell the milk elsewhere, not just to their back to their members, and there are other co-ops similar. In this case, you're still running it as a business, and so you're looking for customers, not just those people that are residents in the Goulburn and surrounding area. Yeah, that's right. A generator, any generator, a big generator, can sell their energy in a number of ways to, to the public. So they can they can just go in the spot the spot market and sell straight into the grid and the spot market changes every five minutes. So there's a, there's a basically an auction that goes on at the moment for all generators um, every five minutes and they sell into that uh, auction. They participate in the auction, they sell into the grid that way. That's one way you can sell energy. Another way you can sell energy is you can sell it to a retailer. So you can sell it to one of the big retailers. They will purchase the green energy from you and then they will sell it to their customers, uh, whoever they are. A third way of doing it is to find a larger load, which is what we call them, but a larger customer, like, for example, a council or a, an institution like a university or a big business, 
and you enter into a, a contract with them called a, a power purchase agreement, a PPA, and that way you, you sell directly to them. It still has to go through a retailer, but the retailer only takes a very small commission. And then you're basically selling all of your power to one big institution. So there are those three ways. If you sell to a retailer, that retailer can sell to your own uh, members then. So the members would effectively be buying their energy from the solar farm through or via the, uh, the retailer. And that's one way of doing it. We're not going to do that immediately. We're, we're, we're going to sell our energy straight onto the spot market. And we can investigate whether we go through a PPA or we go through a retailer at a later date. But we're going to start selling straight into the grid on the spot market. The advantage for the spot market for us is that we're now putting in a fairly substantial battery as part of our project. And the advantage with a battery is that you can store the electricity when the wholesale market is um, low. So the prices are very low and you don't get much for your energy when you're selling in the middle of the day. You store your energy and then you can sell it back into the spot market late in the afternoon in the early evening when the prices are much, much higher. So to give an example, um, prices can range from pretty much zero to anything up to fourteen dollars or $15,000 per kilowatt hour. It's quite possible that late in the evening or late in the afternoon, I should say, and the early evening, it's, it's quite, um, quite possible to get $1,000 a kilowatt hour or more just for a short time, maybe for half an hour. But when you've got a battery and you can store it when it's cheap and it's not really worth selling into the grid, and then you can sell it at a time when it's profitable, much more profitable, it's, it's a big advantage. One of the issues is a lot of ordinary old households are putting solar on their roofs. And, and Australia's got one of the highest um, uptakes of, of household solar in the world. And what that's meant is, and it will continue to, it'll continue to go this way, is that in the middle of the day when there's lots of sun shining, there's a lot of electricity being put into the grid. That's putting a lot of pressure on the coal-fired power stations because the problem with a coal-fired power station is you can't turn it off quickly and turn it on again quickly. It takes hours to turn it off and hours to turn it on again. And in the middle of the day, the price is extremely low because there's so much household solar going into the grid. The, the price that the um, coal-fired power generators can get for their electricity is extremely low. So there's a lot of pressure on the coal-fired power stations now to make a profit particularly in the middle of the day. And the house, the uptake of household solar is one of the reasons why batteries are becoming more and more important because then you can store the electricity. The big advantage with a battery is it takes a split second to turn it on and a split second to turn it off so you can respond much more quickly to the market compared with a coal-fired power station. And you can get your electricity out there quickly and you can sell it at the most financially advantageous time. And that's what we're doing it initially. I'm Michael Kavner from the Business Council Co-ops and Mutuals, talking to Peter Fraser, who's a director and on the board of the Goulburn Community Energy Co-op. Peter, you're dealing with big energy operations, companies. What was their response when you came along and said, oh, we're a co-op, we're community-orientated, and we plan on being able to supply energy to you in the retail market? 
I think it, it depends on who you're talking about. If you're talking about the big generators, I think the, the big generators have seen the uh, the writing on the wall for a while now, probably um, a lot longer than the government has. But they they know that once solar and wind come into the market, that really disrupts the market. And that's putting a lot of pressure on particularly the, the fossil fuel generators. We're only a tiny little operation, really, effectively speaking. We, we're our um, solar farm's 1.4 megawatts, which is small, it's tiny, compared with a big coal-fired power generator. But I think, I think the, the issue really is to do with community energy. Com- community energy is, is quite big in Europe, it's, it's probably close to half of all renewable energy being produced in Scotland and it's owned by small communities like us. Denmark is another place where there's a lot of community energy production. Same with the United States. But community energy as a movement is very, is very um, small in Australia and has only been going for about six or seven years since we started, in fact. Uh, well, there was one other that started before us in Hepburn, Hepburn Wind Farm. But I think probably what's happening in Australia at the moment is it's big. The, the companies that are coming into the renewable energy are big companies and they're building big, enormous um, wind farms and big, enormous solar farms. But community energy is something that's growing and there's more and more of these kinds of organisations like us building what we call medium-sized um, projects, anything between one and five megawatts. And those community energy projects are starting to take off. And we're one of the first ones to do it, but there's quite a few now doing it. And I think that's probably a threat to some of the really big companies because community energy, communities are prepared to accept a lower return on investment than a big company. That's the first thing, because the communities are really wanting to do something about renewable energy themselves. So that's a threat to those bigger renewable energy companies. The coal-fired generators, they're, they're under threat simply because renewable energy now is way cheaper than coal. There won't be any more coal generators ever built, I don't think, because it's just too expensive to build them. And, and once you build a solar farm or a wind farm, the energy's free. You don't have to pay any more for it. The only other companies that, that are um, difficult to deal with are the owners of the grid, and that takes quite a lot of uh, technical expertise that we've had to um, bring in from outside to help us negotiate with the owners of the grid because we're putting electricity into the grid. They have to go through the whole process of making sure that we're not going to disrupt their particular grid in their area. They have to check out a lot of um, technical issues to do with electricity flowing in and out that they weren't used to in the past. So technically, that's a bit difficult and we've had to use outsiders because none of us in the co-op are are great experts on the technical side of things. The time that you started 2013 it's now nearly a decade and in that time technology must have changed a lot and you've probably had to rethink some of the ideas what sort of cost and expense do you think you're going to have outlaid by the time that the electricity is powering into the grid and you've got buyers well the project started off at two million dollars uh and and um, we were going to produce around 1.2 megawatts. The price of panels has come down enormously. The price of inverters and uh, transformers has come down. And now the price of batteries has dropped enormously. So when we first wanted to build this, we didn't have a battery in mind at all because batteries were way too expensive back then. 
but as the price of batteries has been coming down and in the last couple of years even faster it's become much more financially possible for us and, and, and attractive for us financially attractive for us to to invest in a battery so now the project is approaching a bit over four million dollars we will have a much better um, kind of a revenue base now that we've got a battery that can put put electricity into the into the grid late in the afternoon so the technology's changed a lot since we first started and even even the efficiency of panels has improved enormously in that period of time and the cost of panels has come down so there's been a lot of changes over that period in terms of costs and improved technology that's helped us a lot well you've got some government funding and initially, there was a lot of enthusiasm. As it's gone on, have you found it difficult to attract investors such as people that are, whether they be Goulburn residents or elsewhere, and they're not going to be able to put in 40 grand, but you want the smaller investor as well? We didn't have any trouble at all. The co-op itself is, is, is um, only about a year and a half old. We, we had our first meeting in October of last year, so just over a year ago. Uh, we had a town hall meeting where we got everybody together and we had it online as well. And this is when we first did the pitch and we said to people, okay, here's the project. We've now got $2 million from the New South Wales government, which was an, a, a handy grant on the condition that we put a battery in. And within two weeks, we'd raised about 800000 And within um, a month and a half, we'd raised close to $1.4 million. So... It, it was really fast. We were, we were kind of a bit overwhelmed because we didn't think it would be so, it'd take um, such a short time to raise this amount of money. We were expecting it to take three to four months, but we had the majority of our money within about six weeks. Um, and then the, the last bit just trickled in and um, it's still coming in. So we had our annual general meeting a week ago. We put to them that we now want to have a larger battery than we originally um, envisaged. We said that's going to cost an extra 600000 something in the vicinity of that. And we said we're, we're opening up investment just to our own members. We're not going to open it up to the public first. We'll just see how much money we get from our own members. And um, within a day, we'd raised another 100000 So it, it was incredible how easy it was for us to raise a significant amount of money from this local community. There's probably no one more than 100, 100 kilometres away from us that's put money to it. Virtually everybody's much closer even than 100 kilometres. It's mostly our own community here that's raised all that money. So we expect by sometime next year, early next year, we'll raise a significant amount more. And then if we haven't raised the whole 600,000, we'll open it up to people outside the membership at this stage, non-members in the region and then if we still need some more money we'll open it up to people in new south wales but that's as far as we're going to open it up to peter fraser is the director and board member of goulburn community energy co-op i'm michael kavner for the business council co-ops and mutuals peter there's wind farms all around the goulburn area and they really stand out whether you be driving down the highway or on the back roads they are certainly in your face You've actually chosen a site in the old highway coming in from the northern entry to Goulburn. People see it, but I must say, when I first learnt where it was, I never thought of that being a site for a solar farm. But you actually consciously went ahead with that site, partly for economic reasons and also to really, I suppose, for want of a better term, to raise the profile. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. So it's um, it's it's in a kind of a tra- it's it's not an ideal site, that's for sure, because the best the best shape is a, is basically a square, whereas this is more like a triangle. It's not exactly a triangle, but it's a bit more like that. It's an old industrial site that that's been um, damaged in the past. So that the uh, the actual if if someone was want, wanted to develop develop it for some sort of um, industrial use, they'd have to do a lot of clean up on it because it's it's fairly polluted. But it doesn't really impact on us so much. The advantage with it is it's between the the, the road in, from Sydney and the railway line. So in terms of uh, exposure, it's got really good exposure for people who who are coming into Goulburn. It's good exposure for people who live in Goulburn and it's good exposure for people who are travelling on a train between Melbourne and Canberra and Sydney. So we wanted to find somewhere that made a clear statement to the people in Goulburn and to people visiting Goulburn that this city is a city concerned with renewable energy, concerned about climate change and wants to make a difference and wants to show people that we can make a difference by building something that the community actually owns and is and and uh, partakes in, so it was kind of like a, a a site that was good for for the image of Goulburn, if you like, because we wanted to demonstrate that side of Goulburn's uh, population that we are a, a, a community concerned with these issues. We're not just um, a farming community; but we're a farming community that's concerned with these issues. You mentioned how larger businesses you would deal directly in effect with them and the actual broker would just take a small amount what about if you're a householder whether you be a shareholder in the co-op or just a person that's living in Goulburn or in the surrounds and they say I want my electricity from the Goulburn Community Energy Co-op is that possible well yeah the only way they could do it is if we sell to a retailer and the retailer and they and they um, sign up with that retailer, so they they would have to become a customer of that retailer, and that retailer uh, would be purchasing the the power from us, and that's possible, and that's that's a model which we may pursue, but we haven't made a decision on that. The irony of it is that probably everybody in Goulburn right now, whether they like it or not, are getting electrons from renewable energy because there's so much wind around here that the wind farms are generating um, electrons and those electrons are flowing into Goulburn before they flow anywhere else. So um, whether people know it or not, they are probably powering their houses with renewable energy, even though that's not the way the market works. The market works through you having to make a decision to purchase um, renewable energy from your retailer. But um, in terms of the actual scientific reality, um, in terms of, of physics, Yes, most people would be buying electrons that are coming out of the, the wind farms around here and will be um, getting their electrons from our solar farm as well, whether they like it or not. Just a reality of, you know, a reality of the way the whole grid works. You're dealing with a consortium, if I recall, one regional from Wagga and then from Sydney. Was that a conscious decision to try to get as much Australia made or was it because they were the only ones that had the technology and the experience to do something about this? No, no, what we did was we put out a, a tender about um, uh, eight months ago, I suppose. Um, we, we put out the parameters for the, the build of the, the farm and then we assessed the tenders that came in. 
one of the criteria for the tender was and uh, that um, as many local jobs as possible would be used in the construction and in the in the maintenance and running of the of the uh, solar farm after it's built. So that was was included in the tender documents that they had to demonstrate that they would be using um, local jobs, local employers as much as possible. The actual the actual um, hardware, very little of it is made in Australia. Australia only have one manufacturer of solar panels, and those panels are designed specifically for um, household use. Um, there are no other solar panel manufacturers, and there are no um, inverter manufacturers that that fit the fit the bill here. So, um, in terms of a, a lot of the um, equipment, it's actually produced overseas because Australia just doesn't manufacture this stuff. But when we put out the tender, we had one the consortium that won the tender was actually three uh, companies uh, together: um, a Sydney-based company, a Wagga-based company, and a Goulburn-based company. And the Goulburn-based company is a is a solar installer that do a lot of um, larger scale solar installations around Goulburn. They've just finished doing the, a, a big modification to the to the swimming pool here, an indoor swimming pool. So they've got quite a good track record in in local stuff. The Sydney-based companies had some really done some really big stuff right around Australia, and the Wagga company has done some quite significant sized stuff um, in regional Australia. But we specifically wanted someone local who'd be part of that consortium, and that's what we've um, accepted that they were they were the um, most suitable tenderer for the for the job. In starting it up, it's a bit like mining, and the fact that there's always a lot of jobs in startup. Once it's running, a solar farm. It's almost as it strikes me. There it is on the side of the road. The panels, the wires going from it. What sort of employment once it's up and running would continue? Yeah, not a lot. It's not. It's not huge. So we've got some things like um, security. There's a security company that'll be doing some stuff. There's some a maintenance uh, crowd that will be doing anything when there, when there's a panel that fizzles out. Whatever it does doesn't work. There'll be someone coming in and, and um, you know replacing that particular panel if there are any um, sort of civil works that have to be done that just need maintenance. Um, there'll be there'll be some of that, but yeah, you're right. There's a, there's quite a lot of jobs in the construction. It's the same with wind farms, and then there's not a lot of um, there's not a huge amount of employment after that. So there's a, there, there's a continuing employment, but not a lot, and and that's part of the reason why renewable energy is cheaper than than um, fossil fuel stuff because you've got to keep having people dig up coal and ship it off and then you've got to have people shoveling it into into you know furnaces and all this kind of business you actually have quite a lot of labor with a with a traditional fossil fuel generator but with renewable energy you've got free energy once you've built the thing and then the mate they're pretty good for maintenance you know it's just like solar panels on people's houses you don't do a real lot to get them, you know, you might clean them every now and then. You might, um, if something goes wrong, get an electrical contractor in to have a look at it. But pretty much once you put solar panels on your roof, they just sit there and generate electricity and it's free. And that's pretty much the same with this. You've got some medium range businesses either already on board or you've targeted them to buy the electricity. What sort of response are you getting from the councils in the area because ironically of course councils many years ago were involved one way or the other in the generation of electricity are you finding it easy to sell to them the idea yeah that's interesting i mean goblin started off having its own um, coal-fired 
power generator in, in town and, it, and the whole town was powered by this coal-fired power generator. They used to bring the coal in from, from uh, Wollongong and run this, this thing here. And I don't know whether the council owned it. I assume they did. Yeah, we've talked to the council here. They're supportive of the, of the, uh, of the project. It's a question of whether whether we want to enter into a PPA with them, and that that comes down to price. It's 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 very simple. It comes down to how much how much do we need for our electricity to make a profit, and how much do they want to pay for it. So at the moment they're in a consortium with a number of other councils, and they so they're a bulk buyer, and they buy at a pretty cheap price. We're confident we can beat that price and give them a better price, a better deal than they have at the moment. That's a question that we'll continue to raise with them next year. We've we've had a couple of meetings with them. They are interested, but you know, it, it's it's just a question of negotiating a price that will work for them and for us, and it might work. And that would be a PPA again. And we may sell all of the electricity to them, or we might just sell some of it and keep some of it on the spot market. We can do that kind of thing, so we can mix and match um, how we sell the power. Peter, you mentioned before the site that you've got is not ideal but it's also good for the profile of the operation. People in Goulburn know that area quite well and it's probably not going to be developed for anything else. Are you, though, at the point where you're saying this is going to be the size of the solar farm or are you already looking and thinking, well, if this works, will it be more than capable or will you probably have to look at further solar panels in another location? No, this will work, um, and we're not going to we're not going to um, not pursue it. We're going to pursue it, and the simple reason is it takes a hell of a lot of effort with the um, with all the the different authorities to get permission to build the thing. So if we we wouldn't want to start that process again because uh, normally uh, just getting getting permission with someone like Essential Energy will take twelve months. So it it would put the project back enormously if we decided to shift. No, we're not going to do that. However. We have been exploring other opportunities to do the same thing again, and and replicate it um, in other in uh, other areas within the Goulburn area. And we've identified some other uh, other locations that we might uh, look at once we get this project up and running. But our priority right at the moment is we're halfway through getting all the permissions from all authorities. We're not going to step back from any of that. We've got the engineering designs almost complete. We've done most of the hard yakka for this particular site. So we're going to stick with that. But then we, you know, if depending on how things go and how enthusiastic our investors are, we can then look at a couple of other sites that, we're, that we've identified as good, being good places to, to do this, a similar kind of uh, project. That's down the track though. We've got to get this one up and running, which we hope will be generating by uh, halfway through next year. And then we'll look at um, how things are going. You talked about the enthusiasm and people being involved. Co-ops go back 400, 500 years, and they've been in the Australian primary sector since effectively European settlement. At the same time, did you find that you still had to explain to people the concept of a co-op? Yeah. People have heard of it, maybe Norco or... Some banks, you know, some of the banks are co-ops and some of the, some of the little regional banks are co-ops. People have heard of co-ops, but they really had no idea how they worked. Once we explained the whole idea, the, the democratic nature of a co-op, the fact that the, the size of the investment didn't give you um, any greater power 
depending on you know how much you put in there. And once we explained that to people, it was a really attractive model for them to use. And and on a, and as a, as a board and as a committee in, in CE4G, we thought this was a really good model to use for, for community energy. And we've been uh, talking to other community groups who are looking at at um, building similar sized kind of projects. And we've been saying, look, we think this the co-op model is the best model to use. Some of them have been playing around with other models, but I think most of them now are, are becoming much more attracted to the to the co-op model because it's such a it's such a useful model for for communities in particular. And I think that's probably something that's going to grow in Australia. I think one of the frustrating things initially was that when we did some investigation, we found that there weren't national uh, rules for co-ops or you know that it was in a bit of a mess and 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 you know you had to you, you didn't go through ASIC you went through the you know fair trading to, to get your um, your authorization and um, that was a bit of a surprise that it wasn't a nationally um, regulated system but in the end we were able to navigate the the uh, department of fair trading and we're happy with the way it's going. It seems at the moment that co-ops are enjoying a resurgence and they seem to be either, you and I have mentioned Norco, the dairy co-op, as an example, and then there's a large meat processing works on the north coast of New South Wales as well. That's a co-op. Then you've got a place like um, Hastings Co-op, which started off as a dairy co-op, has no involvement in dairy, but has hardware, farm supplies, those sort of things. And they're doing just as well. Are you in any way thinking, well, if this works really well, we might and as you said, there's been people showing interest and what have you. We might expand our co-op or it's just going to be energy supplier solar. No, it's anything to do with renewable energy. So there are other areas that are worth exploring in the future, but we haven't, I guess what we just really focus on what we're doing at the moment and we want to make sure we get that done properly and well and and demonstrate how the projects can work, how communities can get involved in renewable energy and they can do it successfully and they can do it um, through a co-op entity as, as the way they do it. And we just want to do that first and make sure we're doing it really well and successfully. Once we're successful with this, once we've got this thing up, once we can see the panels, once we can see the electricity being generated and we can see the income coming in, yes, then we'll look at some other, other um, areas of, of interest but it will always be in renewable energy one way or the other. And it, it may be in, in different kinds of products for households to reduce their, their uh, energy consumption. There's a whole kind of range of things that we could do, but it's one thing at a time for us at the moment. And we, and we want to really stay focused on this one job. In that near decade that you've been working to get it up, we've seen different shifts by governments regarding renewables. Private enterprise is taking it up. Is it easier now? If you were starting up now, would there be anything different that you would go about setting up a community solar co-op? The first thing is we just wouldn't beat around the bush and try and figure out which is the best entity. We'd just go for a co-op because I think that's the best entity. There's a lot of stuff that we did in the early days which were they're a waste of time. And part of that was because uh, we weren't sure of the technology uh, we looked at a whole lot of different kinds of technology, we had a whole lot of different ways of putting the panels up. There wasn't the kind of battery technology around in those days, so we weren't even sure back in those days what we'd do. Now, if we're starting right from scratch, we'd go straight. We've got a, a, a much uh, greater knowledge of how to do it. We'd certainly find the right site 
the right kind of wires running through the site, basically. You've got to find a site that's got the right kind of wires that are run, running through it so you can hook into the grid. There's those sorts of considerations. You know, we've also been talking with a couple of uh, what we call behind-the-meter organisations, big users of electricity that have either a big roof or a whole lot of spare land. And in those cases, you can build a, a, a community-owned power station that just powers that one entity behind the meter which means you don't go into the grid at all you just just like a house you just go straight into your house you can build a, a fairly big behind the meter setup bunnings are doing that for example they're putting a whole lot of panels on their roof and just powering their own their, their own uh, warehouses uh, behind the meter and that's even more profitable for the for the owner because they, they get even cheaper cheaper electricity and it's a good way to do things. So it's a, it's down the track that we may even go down that track because we've already talked to a couple of fairly big loads about um, doing some behind-the-meter work with them. We've seen Glasgow and the talk of zero emissions. You're a co-op. In that time and the other changes, and we're seeing big business themselves going into having targets of zero emissions, is it easier to be getting the door opened to deal with those mid-range operations because you're coming in and you're saying, look, we're going to do renewables and we're a co-op, but we think we can deliver the solar energy that you require for electricity. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I think there's been a huge shift in people's um, understandings and it's a different environment now. Yeah, Glasgow, you know, it, it wasn't what everybody hoped for, and certainly the Australian response was not what everybody hoped for. But outside of the federal government in particular, the state governments and big business are all getting behind renewable energy because they just see the writing on the wall. And it's it's inevitable that within the next 20 years, there'll be very little fossil fuel generation anywhere in the world because everybody is understanding the damage it can do. And economically, it's just so much cheaper to build solar and wind now than it is to build coal. You know, the, the government's having to fork out $600 million to, to, to help build a, a, um, a gas-fired power station, whereas building solar and wind can be basically done without any government help at all, and that's what companies are now doing, and it's um, profitable. It's profitable to build this stuff, and it's, it's easy to run it, and there's a lot of community support Right across Australia, there's a lot of community support for renewable energy. That increased interest, business still has to run at a profit. At the same time, do you find that they almost get a warm feeling thinking, well, we're dealing with a community-owned and run entity? <laughs> it's huge. I, I mean, we've had, once we announced that we were going to do this, we've just had so many of the of the bigger companies that are in this in this industry approaching us and wanting to be part of it simply because um, for them it's good PR that they're doing something for the community but they can feel yes this is a useful way of, of them being involved in renewable energy by supporting communities to do their own thing so it's been an enormous amount of um, huge number of, of people approach us all the time still approaching us wanting to be involved because they can see it as a it's a positive thing to do for the community and for themselves. As a co-op, do you make sure that you've got that name of Goulburn up there in front of everybody? Because like all country towns, and in fact cities as well, 
there is that parochialism. Do you make sure that that name of Goulburn is out there as a co-op as well? Yeah, yeah, sure do. So it's a great place to live and it's a, and, and it's a great community here. It's um, very positive. It's a very positive-minded community. And, it's and it's um, yeah, it's a really good place to live. I lived in Sydney for 50-odd years of my life and then moved down here and I'd much prefer to be living in a regional community than I would, would back in Sydney because I go back there and, you know, everything's horrendous driving around there on the weekend was just horrendous so i love being here and the people here are real it's a real sense of community and that i think is part of what drives the whole co-op thing that there is this whole sense of being belonging and belonging to a, a group of people that that um have a positive view of themselves and a positive view of where they live well peter you've chosen a town that let's face it can be bitterly cold in winter. The wind howls through there, which I can understand why there are so many uh, wind farms. But uh, therefore, you are not going to want any failure in these top-end batteries that you're putting in for um, the power generation by the co-op around the district. Yeah, we're well, sure not. Yeah, no, it's no colder than Orange. It's no colder than Canberra. Just as just you know, anything up anything above five hundred meters is cold in winter. Yeah, it's windy here, but it's windy over, you know, they're building wind farms all up and down the Great Dividing Range, right from up in Barnaby's um, electorate up in Tamworth and Armadale. So there's plenty of wind up there as well. But, yeah, I think people think it's windy because they drive from Sydney to Canberra and they, they take a break in, in Goulburn and think, oh, geez, it's cold and windy here, but it's no colder than Canberra. They'd be surprised then to see a solar farm. Yeah, it'll be great. It'll be fantastic when they see a solar farm. They can see all the wind farms around the place. Even even Joe Hockey doesn't. You know he saw he saw some wind farms on um, uh, Lake Lake George and didn't like them. But um, there's plenty of them. But now there's going to be a solar farm, and I think people will yeah they'll be surprised, pleasantly surprised. Well, Peter Fraser, as the director and board member of the Goulburn Community Energy Co-op, I suppose you're only looking for a bright future for the solar farm. We sure are, yeah, yeah, and we're looking forward to raising some more capital, which we'll be doing over the next few months, and uh, putting in a much bigger battery, which is going to be a real big plus for us, I think. We're feeling very positive about it. Peter, thanks for your time. Thanks very much for your interest. Peter Fraser, founding member and director of Goulburn Community Energy Cooperative with Michael Kavanagh. Michael, I understand we're heading off to South Australia's Air Peninsula for the next Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals podcast for Meet the Co-op Farmer. Mel, we're going on about the grain handling co-op and you just immediately think of grain and the Air Peninsula is a massive producer of grain. But this co-op, which is still in its infancy but really growing, has got itself involved with uh, the local Indigenous groups and also, and we see the tension between farmers and miners. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of Meet the Co-op Farmers. If you'd like to know anything about setting up or running a successful agricultural cooperative, you can find out everything you need to know at the Co-op Farming website. That's www.coopfarming.coop. That's right, C-O-O-P for cooperative. Please, share this with your mates. If you enjoyed this story, we really do want to get the great stories of farming cooperation out there. And remember, in a troubled world, with all of the challenges but also the opportunities we have, we really are better together. I'm Melina Morrison and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Meet the Co-op Farmers.